God uses sexual fidelity as the medium by which he conveys his love for his people. All the drama and all the intensity, all the intimacy on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Inverse. We are in Revelation chapter 17, and as you heard in the opener, there are some elements of 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 sexual erotic language used in this chapter. So this is an adult conversation with adult themes, but they're found in the Bible, and this has ramifications for all of God's people. So we're going to have a word of prayer because we're going to need it in talking about this the themes found in Revelation. So Jared, can you pray for us? Yeah, let's pray. Father, as we turn to your word, we ask that the author, the Holy Spirit that inspired this book, would be present giving us wisdom that we might rightly understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Israel, can you read chapter 17 of Revelation, verse 1, 2, 1 and 2? Yep. All right. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls came and talked with me, saying unto me, Come and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot, who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Verse 3 to 5, Jared. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet-colored beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her head, on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Okay, so Seiko set us up here. Where have we been in Revelation and where are we going to in this chapter? (laughs) Well, we saw in Revelation chapter 12 this this picture of a woman Mm -hmm. who was clothed with the sun, and we talked about there that that's God's people. Mm -hmm. And so you have in Scripture the the woman has been used to describe the church, God's church. Um, But here we have a different kind of woman Mm -hmm. uh, described as a harlot. Um, She's sitting on a scarlet beast. She's not clothed with the sun. So you have a description of a a woman which alludes to some kind of religious connotation, like Mm -hmm. a church. But this is a a woman of a different kind of character. Mm-hmm. And it says that she's Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Mm-hmm. So this is a woman who is definitely not the woman of Revelation 12, kind of like the anti-Revelation 12 woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this chapter takes its cues from the Old Testament where God is this, is the Lord husband and his people is his beloved wife. Right. And you see all throughout Isaiah, Ezekiel, that he found this, this, this girl in the wilderness and he cleaned her up and she was covered in blood, but he cleaned her up and then he raised her and he, he just really loved her and then she became his beautiful bride. Mm-hmm. But then she goes and, and she does all the sorts of Frankly, stuff that we're kind of shocked to find in the Bible, uh, stuff that you find on parts on the Internet that you shouldn't be on, you know, and all this, this crazy stuff going on. These motifs are found in chapter 17, which, which makes me think, like, there's a lot of adult stuff going on here. Yeah, Jared? Yeah, I, I appreciate what you're saying, and I think it's going to be really helpful as we go into the conversation to remember that this, this woman 
is the church, mm-hmm. right? It's not like, so we have like kind of like good church and bad church, righteous church, fallen church, yeah. pure church, compromising church, yes. but it's still God's church and yeah. there's an appeal to this church. Jesus has not given up on this woman. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, okay. just want to get that out of the way. Now, this this this, this church is identified in verse five. I mean, let's look at some of the qualifications, some of the identifications, the descriptions of this woman. In verse five, on her forehead. We'll stop there. You have uh, the forehead motif comes up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw in uh, the hundred forty four thousand, they had their father's name written in their foreheads, showing their mentality, their mindset, their character, character their their the the the. the the name, <laughs> verse 5. And on her forehead, a name was written. What was that? Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I mean, that's not a great name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's going on here? Love begins in the mind. And, and when, you know, the balance of love is always both mental and physical. Mm-hmm. You need these both, or emotional, I should say. These two components are critical. And they're critical because at some time one of those things is challenged Mm -hmm. and you have the other to fall back on. For example, in my, let's say in my example, with my example at home with my wife, Mm -hmm. my wife is not just expecting or depending on me to love her with my emotions. There comes a time when I just don't feel like doing certain things, Mm -hmm. like taking out the trash every Monday, right? Mm -hmm. And at that point, what motivates me to do that is love out of an understanding, a mental commitment, Mm -hmm. right? Now, I can't just love my wife with my mind and not with my emotions because that won't last either. I need the combination of both. And so you have this balance where whenever you get an argument, you're going to love with just your mind. And then there are going to be other times where you are so in love emotionally that you're enraptured with the beauty of your spouse and so forth and so on. And so here, when it talks about the forehead, it's talking about loving God with our mind, right? Mm-hmm. And it's saying here that this woman on her forehead is not written the name of love, but is written this name of mystery. Babylon the Great has become or is the mother of harlots. This is, this is enormous. This is big because as you talked about earlier before, the purpose of the marriage relationship is that God has used this that we can experience. God has used this to portray the picture that he has between him and his people, him and us. And so what happens when God loves us and wants to marry us, yet we come to God not with the mindset, with the love of a bride, mm-hmm. but with the, with the love of a prostitute? Mm-hmm. What would you do in that kind of a situation? This is the mystery of Babylon, that instead of having the love of God, you actually have the love of self, the love of pleasure, the love of everything that is not holy. Mm-hmm. And that's the picture that this woman it's, portrays. It's just so crazy that God uses this, this motif of love to convey this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the intensity, the betrayal, and, and the, the fervor that God has for his people. Um, you know, there's different kinds of loves, yeah? I mean, you have the, the friendship love, you have the brotherly love, the parental love. And, and the scripture does use all of these forms of love. But when it comes to this last day intense uh, events. It's this eros love, uh, the drama between a man and a woman, a married man and a married woman, mar- married, married to each other, uh, and, and, and the betrayal of that and how it's broken. All those emotions, I mean, God uses that as a medium to convey his, his heart to, yeah. to us. I, want, I wanted to say with, with what Israel was saying about how love begins in, the, in your mind, right? Yes. Um, it, it manifests in your actions. So, so Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, 
the mouth speaketh. Mm. So what you see manifesting outwardly is a reflection of what's happening inwardly. Mm -hmm. So in a marriage relationship, when you have one of the spouses going outside of the marriage relationship, engaging in physical intimacy with someone who is not part of that marriage union, it communicates something about what's happening internally with them, mm -hmm. right? And, and so the betrayal, even though it's just, it was something physical that happened, um, you can't say, oh, it was nothing, it was just physical. Mm -hmm. because, because what happens physically is a manifestation of what's actually happening sure. with you. So when God, when, when God um, wants us to worship Him in obedience, what we do in our actions is a revelation of the love that we have for Him in our hearts. Mm -hmm. So that's why obedience is important to God. And when as a church, a church goes away from following God's word, following God's commandments, and doing what God has asked for them to do, it's actually an outward manifestation of an inward lack of love for their spouse, for God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This, this idea of fornication that's referenced here in... In uh, verse 2, oh, yeah, 17, verse 2. Verse two. <laughs> if you think of it in this context, you, you have the kings of the earth, which represents political power yes. on this earth. The state. The state. Yes. You have the woman, which represents God's professed people. The church. The church, the church. right? Yes. In, in a marriage relationship, um, you know, the expression of sexuality is a very natural thing. In terms of fornication, especially this woman is referred to not just someone who engages in an improper relationship with someone out of marriage, but it specifically refers to her as a prostitute. Mm -hmm. This is a transaction that's taking place, mm -hmm. right? This is something where you have something that I want, and I have something that you want, and we are going to make this transaction, this transaction where I can benefit, I'll give you some money, and I will have a physical relationship with you that, that's improper, okay? So in this case... The state has something that the church wants, hmm. right? Power, control, right? A corrupted church who has lost that natural, uh, the power of virtue and holiness that Jesus has, right? And the state says, how can we control these people? And there's this, this coming together for something that the church should have no business in, right? The governing of, 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 of civil powers. The, the, the state has, has no business in controlling the conscience, yes. right? right? So these two come together in this conspiratorial uh, transaction of fornication, doing something they're not supposed to be doing together, and eventually it leads to the persecution of God's people. And then, okay, so one step further in verse 2, the kings of the earth, so this is plural, these are all the states uh, of the world, committed fornication and inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So yes, this is consensual, but there is, there is a chemical uh, uh, alcohol transaction going on, lubricating the, 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 the mind, inebriating the, the decision-making process. Mm -hmm. So they're duped into this. They're yeah. being seduced by this. Yeah, and I would say when I see that with the the wine of her fornication, the first thing I think of is power is intoxicating, mm -hmm. right? There's something here about this relationship. In fact, I, I I'm kind of a, a, a relationship geek. I like to read books about relationships and so forth. And, and one thinker <laughs> is talking about how when you first meet someone, 
It's like you're on drugs. You know, what's happening with the chemistry in your mind? Be very careful in the early stages of a relationship because you can't always trust your own judgment. Mm -hmm. Serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin. Exactly. (laughs) That's what's happening here. And the control or the influence of principle, biblical principles, godly principles is not here. And they're drunk with power. The imagery is powerful. You know, someone once said, a man can conquer the world. And a woman can conquer the man. Hmm. And, you know, you have, this, you have this idea to go piggyback with what he's saying about, about the intoxication of relationships. Nothing, nothing is stronger than the betrayal that takes place between husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Like, if my kids were to betray me, it would be completely different and much more tolerable than if my wife would be, were to betray me or if I were to betray my wife. If a friend can betray me in the worst way, it would not amount in any way, shape, or form to the betrayal that would take place between a husband and a wife over a sexual matter. Mm-hmm. And so God is equating this. He's saying, look, I don't need to explain to you this. God is equating that to this kind of a situation, which is he calls an abomination. Yeah, yep. this is- when we come back from the break here, Jerry wants to say something. I don't know about you, but there's a little bit of sweat on my forehead. This is getting very spicy, and, and this is a very, very passionate <laughs> study of Scripture. When we come back, we'll see what Jared had to say. <laughs> Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back. We're going to go to Jared here. He wanted to just say something before. Yeah, well, I was just jiving off of what Israel was saying yeah. with the, the marriage relationship and the, the, the seriousness of infidelity. It's relational high treason. Really, right? And you think about that. Oh, I love that term, in, relational high treason. Yeah, and in the context of, of not just, okay, it's one thing to have an, an earthly marriage fail, okay? That's terrible, right? Sure. I, I came from a home that where, you know, divorce happened. It's traumatic, sure. and it's mm-hmm. things that happened there still affect me today. It's another thing for the church to wander after other individuals when... You know, Jesus has redeemed mm-hmm. the church and the language of Ephesians where he washes the church mm-hmm. and presents her pure, mm-hmm. right? In, in relationship to, you know, the husband and the wife as that's, that's described there. That, that has eternal consequences. Yes. Mm. When, you look at, when you look at what, through scripture, scripture is a love letter from God. When you look at what Jesus has done to win his bride, I mean, he, he suffered for her. Mm-hmm. He died for her. And, and, he, and he says, listen, it's, it's critical for you as husbands to love your wives as Christ has loved the church, that he gave himself for her. I mean, he surrendered everything that he had to, to, to win his bride. To then be betrayed by her in this way, what Jesus is telling us in Revelation chapter 17 is this is the equivalent of what happens when the church messes up. Mm-hmm. And so you have here now the abomination is the equivalent of betraying the, the marriage betrayal. What does it lead to or how does it happen? It happens when the, the church here, this harlot, is yearning for a power that does not belong to her. And so in the marriage relationship, it's, it's automatic that when I decided to love my wife and to marry her, that that love would constrain me. 
that it would make me now exclusively love her uh, and not any other person. That means every other person in this world would be hands off. Mm -hmm. And so uh, here you have this situation where the the uh, the scarlet woman of Revelation chapter 17, even though there she's supposed to be married to Christ, she's now yearning for something else. And that mm -hmm. something else is a power that does not belong to her. Mm -hmm. What does that lead? Look at the consequences in verse 6. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with a mate with great. So he's marveling because what has happened is that she, the person that she's supposed to be married to, the person that she's supposed to love, has now, uh, in violating that that relationship, has now intoxicated her to the point where she is hurting yeah. the very thing that matters most to Christ, his, mm. his saints. Yeah, wow. Shakespeare would have said, hell knows no fury like a woman scorned, yeah? Mm -hmm. And so here she's, she's with a fury going out and killing all of the martyrs of Jesus. Um, she says, let's go to verse, chapter 18, uh, verse 7. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I said as a queen, I am no widow and I will not see sorrow. And so we got to keep, she's, she's living it up. She's living luxurious, luxuriously, in, I forget which, which verse it says. And she's got the kings of the earth in her hand. Yeah, uh, chapter 17, verse 18. The woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. What happens ultimately to this this entity. We've got to remember this. Yeah, this is the woman, but but the, but there is a line, and what ultimately happens to her? Siku. I mean, verse eight of chapter eighteen. 18, you just 18, kept 18, reading. 18. Yeah, yes. it says therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, mm -hmm. and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Mm -hmm. So God doesn't sit silent, you know, forever as she's going murdering and, you know, taking the drinking the blood of the saints. Yeah. Um, God at some point says enough is enough. Yeah. And so when, when he's calling his people to not partake of what this woman is doing, because there will come an end to this. And right now it may seem like things are going well for her, yeah. but it won't forever be that way. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, when we look at why the evil prosper, you know, and, you know, I'm trying to do things right. You know, I, I pay my taxes. I return a faithful tithe. I, I do all the things right as far as I know. But, you know, people out there who break the law, you know, they're, they're mean-spirited. They don't give to the poor. And yet it seems like they're prospering. God says mm -hmm. there'll come an end to that. It may seem like they're sitting pretty and they're making it big in the world, but that won't last forever. Mm -hmm. It's cool, like how Babylon was given so long of a time to exist. Yeah, mm -hmm. 1,260 years, 42 months, you know, all these time periods. But in chapter 18, verse 10, I think this is really cool. This phrase is repeated over and over again. Verse 10, for, we'll start, standing at a distance for fear of our torment, saying, alas, alas, that great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment is come. Skip down to verse 17. For in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. Let's go to, go to verse 19. Um, skip down towards the end. Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour, she is made desolate. Mm -hmm. So it's this, you know, for a long time, uh, God, is, God is merciful. God is patient. God is allowing this, uh, whatever she wants to do to work itself out and for everyone to see. But when judgment comes, it's done very quick, very swift. 
and in one hour, and it's gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it shows, it shows yeah. you the the love and the mercy of God. Mm. Yeah, going back to how you were mentioning, you know, which you you beautifully portrayed the 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 relationship between God and His church. Mm. We have to remember that everything that the church has, everything that God's people has, everything that that throughout history the church has ever received is not from her own. It's not from herself, but it's all been borrowed. Mm. This woman was on the floor. She was dead. She was full of blood. And she, and God came and saved her and rescued her and cleaned her up and, and married her. Mm. She had nothing to offer him. He had everything to offer her. And so what this woman has done is that she's taken, or the church here has, has taken the blessings and the riches of God mm -hmm. and, has, and has used them for herself. Mm -hmm. In Revelation chapter 17 and 18, what has happened now is God is saying, I'm going to strip away that power. That power does not belong to you. It never belonged to you. It was always borrowed. And now I will take that back. And you will then have to suffer the consequences and the results of ultimately who you are without me. And that's critical for us to understand that when God pronounces judgment on this woman in Revelation chapter 17, he's not a jealous God saying like, look, it didn't work out. So I'm going to go right. after you. Right. It's like, no, you everything that you had belonged to me. And 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 it's not that. It's not that I want it back. It's that you're misusing it. Mm -hmm. You're misusing it to actually harm yourself that more. yourself and that which I love. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to strip that power back in judgment, and you're going to be left to suffer the consequences that you've reaped. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now let's go to chapter 18, verse 4, which this is, this is a great, great verse, that in the judgment uh, uh, that happens to Babylon, that God is wanting to to purify Babylon, if you will. I mean, to get his people out. And later you'll see in chapter 19, there there is the marriage of the lamb, and there is a there is a pure woman there he's going to get married mm -hmm. to. So for, read verse 4 for us, Jared. It says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. Okay, so what can we get out of that verse in the context of the, ba the, the judgment on Babylon? Yeah. Well, the relationship with, between God and Babylon, it's, it's clear in, in the Bible, it's broken, mm -hmm. and it will not be mended. Babylon has fallen, has fallen, mm -hmm. with certainty, the mystery of this great city, it's gone. Mm -hmm. And there's no, this is a divorce, there's, 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 there's not going to be, oh, so you know, divorce. this is not going to yeah. be fixed. Now, within that context, now, and that marriage relationship and, and um, analogy only goes so far. Sure. At some point, he says, look, if you're part of Babylon, you need to come out. Why? Because it says here, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins. Mm -hmm. And so he's saying, look, I have people in Babylon. These people that are in Babylon are not sharing her sins. They're not partakers. Of, the difference between my people and Babylon is that they are not of the same cloth. They're not doing the same thing. They're not the same mindset. So you need to come out of her lest you begin to share in her sins. And then it says, unless you receive her plagues. In other words, the plagues that have been that have been prepared in those bulls have been prepared for Babylon. And if we attach ourselves to Babylon, then we will receive that which belongs to her. It's the, it's the collateral damage, right? It's it's God's people need to come out unless they want to become associated with her and then receive the punishment that falls to her. We see these people in chapter 17, verse 14, and I want to ask you guys this as a final question for today. Chapter 17, verse 14, These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and those who are with Him are, the, are called, chosen, and faithful. 
So you could talk about the reverse a little bit. That's kind of a silver lining in these. These two chapters are pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. He's talking about a lot of passion, a lot of love, and, and, and betrayal, and whatnot. But there's a silver lining. There's a promise there. It's a beautiful promise because it talks about that the lamb overcomes. Mm. And, you know, we saw the lamb appearing, you know, back in Revelation chapter 5. And you saw this lamb and he had, he was able to do what no other human could do. And here you see the lamb appearing again. And in the midst of, of uh, this this betrayal, mm -hmm. you see that the lamb shows up again with victory. Mm -hmm. And then it says, too, that those who are with the lamb, they overcome with the lamb. They are called by him. Mm. And once we've been called by God, God wants to call everyone. Yes. But not everyone accepts the call. Mm. But those who do accept the call are chosen. And then once you've been chosen by God, the, the, the mandate, I guess, the mandate is to be faithful, mm. to faithful to that calling that we've been called. And says those who are with him are, the called, are called, they're chosen, and they're faithful. So they stick with him all the way through to the end. I think the, the, the question that comes out, I know that was, I said this might go to be my last, my last question, but um, this, was, this, this is not our notes. But how do we know that, you know, this, this Babylon just seems like she's deceiving everyone. We're telling everyone, come out. How do we know if we're in Babylon? How do we know, like, if we, do drunk people know that they're drunk? Hmm. Do, do high people know that they're high? Uh, you know, how, 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 do we, how do we do that? How do we know? Jared, you're giving me that, that pencil look. I don't, Can I, I don't, yeah, okay, um, go to see. <laughs> yeah. No, the thing that comes to mind is Revelation chapter 14. Okay. Where uh, we talked about before, there's that angel that's going out and it's got a message. Okay. Um, there may be people who don't realize that they are in Babylon. They may not realize that Babylon is fallen. They may not realize that there are consequences to this fall of Babylon. Yeah. But there's an angel that is called, that goes out and is spreading this message. So there are God's people who are supposed to let the world know that there is a compromised system of religion, mm -hmm. right? That is fallen. That is not what God's ideal is. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why it's such an important message because they need to be told to come out in Revelation 18 verse 4. Mm -hmm. A voice says, come out of her, my people. They may not realize that they need to come out unless they were told come out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the teachings of Babylon are intoxicating, right? Mm -hmm. They're confusing. That's what Babylon essentially means. But God gives this message in Revelation 18, 4, yeah. come out of her, my people. It's almost like the amplification of those messages in Revelation 14 that we heard. God's not going to waste his breath speaking to people who are so intoxicated with this mm -hmm. that they can't hear. But he's giving this message knowing that there are people, that this is still his church, that there are people who will respond. They'll hear him. They'll heed that invitation. They'll leave association with this harlot woman and, and, and join in this association with that pure woman of Revelation chapter mm -hmm. 14. I think on that note, how many of you want to leave your Babylonic background, Babylonic ideas and doctrines? And this is for all of us. We need to be in tune with Scripture, in tune with the Holy Spirit, and constantly asking, Lord, am I deceived and seeking truth and seeking Jesus in all these things? Hopefully out there, if, you're, if you've been convicted by today's conversation, make a commitment and say, Lord, I want out. I want out of Babylon. I want to be part of the 144,000. I want to be part of the pure woman uh, in the marriage of Revelation chapter 19. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week as we study the book of Revelation. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. 
For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.